Tonight, we're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about love. Let's talk about love. (laughs) Amen. Listen, all of us have areas that we need to work on. You know, Mary Fran was just here. It's a new year, and we're all believing for new things. But if you're like me, there may be lots of areas that you need to work on. And Mary Fran told us, she said, listen, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be you renewing your mind. Well, if you're like me, there's some areas, I mean, finances and health, and uh, there's a lot of things I'd like to renew my mind to. So where do I start? It can be a little overwhelming, can it? It's like, oh man, I got so many things. Where am I going to start? I mean, I don't even know where to begin with this, Teresa. I've got, I've got a, I, I need so many changes in my life. And when I was praying about this, This is something I've touched on in the past, but God really impressed this upon my heart. The cornerstone for us believing everything that we have to believe and everything that we had, the cornerstone for that is for us to be rooted and grounded in the love of God for us. And the truth is is that if we are not rooted and grounded in that love that he has for us, it's very difficult for us to believe for all the other things. Because let's be honest, God makes some outrageous promises in that word. And you're going to have to believe in the face of all of your circumstances that are telling you something so very different from what he says. You're going to have to believe that the God that wrote that, the God that is love, loves you so much that it's yours. No matter what this world and what these circumstances are telling you right? So I believe that for a really good place for all of us to start, and I know it's a good place or God wouldn't have put it on my heart, and I'm going to tell you something. I had literally nothing on my mind to preach to y'all when when pastor asked me. I'm like, whoo, okay, what am I going to preach about? I've got nothing stirring right now. And I went home and I started praying about it, and this dropped into my spirit. So I know that God's people have to get rooted and grounded in his love. And listen, it's not enough for you to do it once. It's an ongoing process. Everything that we do with God is an ongoing process. Now listen, we have all heard verses like John 3.16. We know that by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. And we all know mentally that God loves us. Am I right? I mean, if I ask any of you, you'd say, yes, God loves me. I know that. I know that he loves me. But if I come to you individually and I say, Angela, do you know how much God loves you? It gets a little bit harder for you to believe that God loves you individually. You, the one person. You, Debbie. You, Laura. You, Shirley. You, Timmy. It's harder that way to think of just me. What if it was just me? Does God love just me? And now you've heard me say some of this, but listen, it bears repeating, okay? Well, I'm here to tell you that God does love you, the individual. As a matter of fact, he loves you in such astronomical terms that it's hard for our minds to grasp, And each 
and every one of us individually. Let's throw up Psalm 139, 1 through 6. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. This is David talking, but remember the Bible was written for all of us so that we would know God and know who he is and how he looks at us. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Go ahead to the next one, 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Go ahead. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. Next. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Now listen. Listen carefully. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Did you catch that? They would be more in number than the sand. God is saying here, look, he's letting you know. I knew you all together before you ever were. And my thoughts towards you, if you were to take, let's think about that for a moment, are more than the sand. If you were to take all of the sand, of all of the oceans, of all of the beaches, of all of the hillsides, of all of the golf courses, of every dirt road, of every pasture, of every yard, of all of the earth, Every single grain of sand, of every golf course, of every sand trap, men. If you were to count them, God says that his thoughts towards you would number more than all of those grains of sand. That is a number we cannot fathom. That is a number you cannot even grasp. And listen to me, you don't invest that kind of thought on something unless you value it. Is that true? I mean, you only invest that kind of thought in something that you you hold in high esteem and you value so deeply and so greatly. Do you know you pursue what you value? You pursue what you value. Everything on this earth has a value. And generally that value is set by whatever the purchaser of said thing is willing to pay for it. Now when Jerry and I, some of y'all know this, um, a few years back we owned an auction company. 
And let me tell you something. I was always so amused by some of the stuff that people would, would buy. I mean, we'd get some art in there. And girl, let me tell you, I, I thought that stuff was the ugliest stuff I'd ever seen. I wouldn't give you a nickel for it. It was so ugly. And people would come in, and my husband will attest to this. It, it had somebody's name on it. And these people would, I mean, the money, they would just spend the money, hundreds of dollars to own this piece of art by said artist. And I'm sitting there going, whoo, hallelujah, this is lovely. Not really, God, I'm sorry. This is a lovely piece of art. (laughs) And just for a little bit more money, you can take it home. Don't let it get away from you now. This is a valuable piece of art. And the whole time I'm thinking, whoo, I wouldn't hang that on my wall for nothing. It's so ugly. (laughs) But what made it valuable? That's right. It was the artist who made that art. The value was set by the artist who made the art. Do you know that you're made in the image of God? As a matter of fact, you are a walking divine plan and purpose of God in the earth. You, each of you. God put more thought into you, each of you. Me, you, Miss Jeannie, Shirley, Tim, me, Lori, everybody, each of you. He put more thought into you than the grains of the sand of this earth. And he is the creator, and he is the only one qualified to set your value. Because he's the creator. And he did set that value. He set that value on you. Now listen... I know that the world wants to set the value on you. Listen, your job wants to set a value on you. Uh, Your friends want to set a value on you. Your family may have wanted to set a value on you, but they're not qualified. They're not qualified. Only your creator is qualified to set that value on you. Do you remember the story where Jesus was teaching and he said, he said, what gain is it if a man should gain the whole world but lose his soul? Or what would a man give to purchase his soul? Have you ever really thought about that? What would it be if you gained the whole world? Let's think about that for a minute. All the diamonds, all the silver, all the gold, all the rubies, all the sapphires, all the gemstones, all the oil, all the precious minerals, all the yachts, all the fancy automobiles, all the palaces, all the mansions, all the -the state-of-the-art electronics, all the yachts, everything of wealth, all the billionaires' money, all the wealth in this world is not enough for your soul. Jesus said that if you had all of that, And went to hell. That was a bad deal. It was a bad deal. And so now we have a problem. Because God who loves you. With all of his being. As a matter of fact. God is love. We know that right. Let's go. Let's look at. Let's throw up real quick. 1 John 4 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love, right? 
And so now this God who is love, he's thinking about you constantly and he wants you back. But he's a holy God and you've fallen and there's a price that's got to be paid. And the only thing, the only thing that can pay that price is him. Him in the form of Jesus. That's a pretty high value. In other words, you are so valuable that the only thing that could purchase you is Jesus. The most valuable thing that God had, the most valuable thing that he had was his son. And he said, that's what you're worth and that's what I'm going to send to get you back. Because I, why would he do that, church? Why would he do that? Tell me why. Say, because he loves me. What? What? All right. Why would he pay such a price? Why would he pay such a price? And listen, if you had been worth one penny less, one penny less than his most valued treasure, Jesus, do you know that would have been a bad deal and God wouldn't have made it? God's not in the business of making bad deals. So if you'd you'd have been worth just one penny less, just one, then God wouldn't have made that deal. Because he's not into making bad investments. It's very quiet, and I hope y'all are thinking. (laughs) I hope I've got you thinking. I hope it's not boredom. And so now you hear me say that, and you say, that's great, Teresa, that's awesome. But you know, he did that for the whole world. How do I know that he would do that just for me? That's a good question. You know, you hear people say all the time, well, if you were the only person on the earth, you know, Jesus would have still come, and he would have done that for you. And you say, well, how do you know that? Where does it say that? Well, it doesn't say that in those specific words, but it gives us an example. There's, a, there's a, a story in the Bible, y'all will remember this, where Jesus and the disciples, they've been, they're, they're out preaching. And Jesus had been ministering all day. All day he'd been ministering. He'd been healing the sick. He'd been preaching the gospel. He'd been, he'd been performing miracles. And he's dead dog tired. And it comes to the end of the day and he tells his disciples, he says, let's get in the boat and let's go to the other side. And so they get in the boat, and Jesus is so tired that he goes down into the boat, and he goes to sleep. He's exhausted. But while he's sleeping, a storm comes up. And it's a big storm because the disciples, they're, you know, they're, they're scared, and they're out there, and they're rowing, and they're doing whatever they're doing. And they, and they go down there, and they say, Jesus, you know, don't you care about us? We're, we're out here. We're going to die. So it was a bad storm, and Jesus was so tired, he was sleeping through that. How many of y'all think you would sleep in a boat, tossing and turning and doing all of this? How many of y'all think you would sleep through that? I wouldn't. You must be very, very tired. Very, very tired. Because he was human as much as he was God. Remember that. He had laid down his deity. He was in a human body. And his human body was tired. He'd been ministering. And they go down and they wake him up and he gets up and he rebukes the storm and they go to the other side. And do you know what happens immediately when he gets to the other side? He's met by a man who's possessed of a demon who hangs out in the tombs in the graveyard. He's met by the madman of Gadara. And this guy's demon-possessed. And Jesus 
goes in there and he ministers to him. And remember, it says that this guy was so bad that literally they had chained him out in the cemetery because he was, he was violent, he was crazy. In other words, he was not somebody that society would put great value on. Right? I mean, today what we would do with a person like that is we'd drug them up and throw them in an institute. And the way that they would see you is if you didn't have family that was paying for that, why, you wouldn't be worth much. You, you're a drain on society because now taxpayers are paying for you. And you're... This is a guy that nobody wanted anything to do with. Okay? And Jesus goes there. And if you read that story, it says he delivered that man. And then he gets, does something most peculiar. He doesn't go into the town and deliver the rest of the people. He doesn't go minister anywhere else there. You know what he does? He gets back in the boat and goes back to the other side. In other words, what am I telling you? Jesus went there for that one man. That one man that society was like, he's worthless, don't waste your time. He left the crowds. He had been with the crowds. Remember, you know, he was, when he's in the city, the crowds were pressing in on him. He was, they were following him around because they, they wanted to be healed and they wanted to hear this guy, you know. And so he left all of the masses to go to the one. And listen, that's never changed. If you were the only one on this earth, if you were the only person God still invested all of that thought in you. And he is constantly thinking about you, constantly. And anything you think about, you move towards. So he still, for you alone, just you, would have sent his son, and you would have been worth that price to him. Say, because he loves me. What? Because he loves me. Yeah. He loves each of us like that. And now, not only is God loving us like that, the Bible says that he is love, but he's not just any kind of love. He's not this earthly kind of love. God is perfect love. See, I can tell you that he loves you and everything, but our concept of love is tainted by our earthly experience, right? And if you're like me and you grew up in a household where maybe love was kind of a vague concept, okay? Um, And love had a lot of conditions attached to it. And love presented a lot of disapproval a lot of the time. In other words, love was an earned thing. And if you didn't behave very well, love went out the door, or so it seemed. And so when people tell you, oh, you know, God loves you so much, and he loves you like a father. And if you're like me, that's a vague idea. Now, I know my dad loved me in his imperfect human way, but he had issues. And those issues showed up in that love that he had for me. And so when you tell me that God loves me like a father, that can be kind of vague. So then what am I going to do? How am I going to know how God loves me? Well, God gives a description of his love. He gives us a description of his love. And we're going to have to renew our minds to what does the God kind of love look like. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. 
And you can just, when I get to the end, uh, Shantae, you can just go right to the next one. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Say it with me. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail, and whether there are tongues, they will fail, and it goes on. But I want you to capture that. Love, this perfect love, this love that God is. See, God was describing himself there, and he was telling you what love looked like because he knows that as fallen mankind, we don't really know what that looks like. I mean, we have a vague idea. Uh, We know that... We know what it should look like, but the truth is is that we don't really experience it quite like that here on the earth, not even in our marriages. Nor do we give love, just let me point this out, quite like that. We try. We know we're supposed to, right? But we don't ever quite make it right there. And so God, knowing that you wouldn't understand that kind of love, that kind of agape love, he's, he, he gave you an, an example of it. And so now when you accepted the Lord as your Savior, and he came to live with you, let's look at 1 Corinthians 3.16. Let's just go there real quick. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So now, literally, literally, love has taken up residence in you. This perfect love that never fails is always available to you. It's always in you. It's always guiding you. It's always with you. It's always available. Quite literally, you are possessed by love. Yeah. Quite honestly, quite literally, you could say you are possessed by love. Amen? Amen. This is awesome. And now I tell you this stuff, you know, and it sounds awesome to you. And you hear it and you go, yeah. And you believe it and you receive it. But then something happens. It's all good and great while we're sitting right here. We're like, yeah, yeah, woo, God loves me. And I got, and then we go out there. And somehow we just can't quite hold on to that feeling that God loves me like that. I mean, it just sort of slips right through our fingers the minute we get out there. We're like, now, wait a minute. I felt so good a little while ago while somebody was telling me how much Jesus loved me. While I had somebody to stand in front of me and expound on this, it was all good. But now I'm out here and I just can't quite hold on to it. Why? I'll tell you why. Experiences. It's experiences. You see, love has been deposited in our spirit and has literally come to dwell in us and possess us. But the problem is is that we go out there and we have experiences. And those experiences come to steal the word and they make deposits in your soul. In your mind, your will, and your emotions. And they challenge the love that's in your spirit. Those experiences are constantly challenging you. 
So, what are we going to do about that? We're going to have to renew our minds. Yes, we're going to have to renew our minds. We're going to have to get the word out and we're going to have to understand that not only did perfect love purchase us once... Remember, Jesus was the word, and he became flesh, and he dwelt amongst us, and then we received that word as our Savior. So now we have the living word, Jesus, in flesh, and we also have the written word, our Bible, right here. And they're basically one and the same. And so now now these experiences come, and what do we have to do? We have to get out the book that love wrote, and we have to find out... How is love still redeeming me? How is love redeeming me? Because it's still redeeming you all the time. See, he wrote this whole book and he's telling you how it redeems you. I have to renew my mind to it. Because the experiences come and they're real. They're facts. And they're leaving deposits. They're taking out of me and they're depositing something into me. And that deposit disrupts my understanding of God's love if I let it, if I let it, right? And I'm talking about things like, what am I talking about? I'm talking experiences like financial loss, financial loss. This is one of the things that can happen to us. And y'all have heard me share this before. When Jerry and I first came here, we were going through such a financial stress that it was just unbelievable. Uh, and, and, you know, the enemy, he's... <laughs> Oh, he's, he's, a, he's a piece of work, that one. Because not only did he take the financial loss, and it, but, you know, he's got you down, so he might as well just give you a few kicks, right? So he thinks. And so during that time, not only did we have financial loss, but we had uh, Jerry's parents. There was lots of things happening. They, uh, his mom had developed Alzheimer's. We had no money. We had lost our home. We were losing our cars. We... And I was just coming into this word of faith and there was so much I didn't know. There was so much I didn't know and I was in the midst of the battle trying to learn. Trying to learn how to fight this battle. Now I wished I had known what I know now because I feel that there would have been a whole lot more victories. But for where I was at, God gave us great victories. He gave us great victories on what I already knew, what, what, what I was receiving and, and literally learning on the battlefield. Literally I was learning it in the battlefield. I came into this church and I was so desperate and Jerry and I were so desperate because our whole world was falling apart. And let me tell you something. I know, and I know some of you have gone through it or you may be going through it. I understand that that is one area that will touch every area of your life. It will touch every area of your life. And don't think the enemy doesn't know that. He knows that. So what am I going to do? When this happens, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to get out this love letter right here. And I'm going to renew my mind to what God says. I'm going to look at things like Philippians 4.19. Because this is what love says about it. Do you, and my God shall supply all your need according to whose riches? His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When I was going through all of this, suddenly I had read that verse lots of times. Like most of us do, we read things and it just kind of goes, oh yeah, that's a nice verse, I got that. But then one day I was looking at it and I'm like, not according to my riches because I ain't got a thing right now. I don't have no riches. If it's up to me, I'm in trouble. I got nothing. According to his riches. His riches, not mine. And so when I'm in the midst of this battle and when this thing has come against me, what am I going to do? 
I'm going to get that out and I'm going to renew my mind to it. And it's not going to be a one-time thing, folks. I'm sorry. And if you pass the test this time, you're in a battle. When the battle comes around again, don't think that you're going to pass it again just by what you remember from that one. You'll have to get your word out again and you'll have to start again. That's how it is. You're going to have to constantly be renewing your mind. That's the way it works. What about this one? What about Matthew 6, 25 through 34? Therefore, this one comforted me so much. This one comforted me so much. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? You can go ahead to the next one. Not more than food or drink. It says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Are you not more valuable than the birds? There's nowhere in here that says that God, uh, he spent seven days creating the earth, uh, six days, and he rested on the seventh day. Six days he spent creating the earth. But it says he put more thought into you than all of the grains of the sand. God's not sitting around thinking endlessly and constantly and and consistently without end about the birds. But yet, he is aware of them. And you're of more value than them. He feeds them. He takes care of them. The grass of the field. But he said he sits around thinking about you constantly. He never puts you out of his mind. Did you understand that? And God never sleeps and he never slumbers. So that means 24-7 from sun up till sundown in our time, because God has no time, God never loses sight of you. You are not out of his sight. You are not out of his mind. As a matter of fact, it says you're seated in the heavenly places with Jesus. How hard is it for you? I, I mean, let me, okay, let me, just, let me just see something here. Now, if I sit down right here by Miss Debbie... Uh, How likely do you think it is that I'll forget about Debbie? (laughs) It's not very likely, is it? Why? Because she's right there. Do you know Jesus? You're his body and it says that you're seated with him in the heavenly places. And it says that Jesus all day long is making intercession for you. You're his body. So all day long, no matter what's going on in your world and no matter how alone you feel in it and no matter how big it looks and how destructive, you are not out of God's thought for a second. Not a second. He can't forget about you. He never forgets about you. He doesn't want to forget about you. As a matter of fact, everything he did was to get you. He, that's it. He has no desire to be free from thought of you. He loves you. Why, 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 church, why? Why does he do this? Why? Tell me. Because he loves me. See, I'm a good teacher. I give you all the answers to the test. (laughs) Say, because he loves me. Why? Yes, because he loves you. Because he loves you. All right, so you say, well, Teresa, look, my finances are okay. I'm doing fine, but my health, my health. This has been a terrible year, Teresa, and you just don't know. And this health thing is real. I have pain in my body. And not only that, the doctor told me, uh, you know, thus and such and so and so. And those are facts, and I don't know how I'm going to get over that. 
and I hurt. And it's hard for me to remember that Jesus loves me while I'm dealing with this pain. And it's real tempting to think, this is going on. And it keeps going on, and it keeps going on. And if God loved me, why is this happening to me? Well, you know what? God does love you, and he did do something about it. He gave it to you in the seed form. He took care of it. As a matter of fact, he took care of it before he ever even put you here on the earth. Now, that's hard for us to, you know, he, he saw the beginning from the end, and he made provision for all of it. But you have to renew your mind. So when the doctor comes out, Dr. Duflunkett, and he says you have uh, A to Z disease, and you can't even pronounce it, and you go home, and it all looks hopeless, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to get out love. You're going to go, what does love say about that? Wait a minute. Love has something to say about this. Perfect love that never fails. That perfect love that never fails. I said the perfect love that never fails. It never fails. Has something to say about this. What does it say? What does perfect love have to say about this? Well, he says things like this. Let's go to Psalm 107.20. He sent his what? word and healed them done deal healed past healed them and delivered done deal past delivered them from all their destructions all their destructions so I'm going to get that out and I'm going to say this is what love says about it I know Dr. Duflunkett said this but love has said this whose report am I going to believe Now, how am I going to renew my mind to that? Is it going to be enough for me to read it and go, that's so nice. That's so nice. It requires your imagination. Did you know that? As a man thinks, so is he. And you have an imagination, and it's no mistake you have imagination. An imagination is a powerful thing. It's part of what makes you like God. So it's not enough for you just to read it and go, that sounds nice. And then you sit in your chair and what you imagine is, well, as this disease progresses, I may not be able to walk. And what am I going to do when I have to be in a wheelchair? And I wonder if this will still my life. What's my life going to be like? You're not renewing your mind. Oh, well, you are. Let me just rephrase this. You are, but you're, re- you're renewing it to the devil's plan is what you're doing. No, you're going to get this out and you're going to read it and you're going to renew your mind to what God said. You're going to imagine, I wonder what that doctor's going to think when he doesn't know how this happened and I get up out of this wheelchair and I go on and live a good life and I live a long, full life and he's got no answer for that. And I can have confidence in that because perfect love that never said so. I can have confidence because he loves loves me. Yes. He loves me. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. And while you're at it, just sing a love song. Sing a love song to yourself. Go ahead. Amazing love, how can it be that 
You, my king, should die for me. Yeah. Amazing love, and I know it's true. Oh, it's my joy to honor you in all I do. Oh, I honor you. Amen. Amazing love. Amazing love. And then we're going to go right on over and we're going to look at 1 Peter 2.24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might what? Live. We might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. You were, you were healed. Healed. E-D on the end. Done deal. Already done. Passed. I was healed. I'm not trying to get the healing because Jesus already did it. Perfect love already made the perfect way. And perfect love gave me his word. And perfect love goes on redeeming my life every day as long as I let him. As long as I join up and partner with him. He wants to do it. Do you know why he wants to do it, church? Yes, because he loves me. (laughs) Because he loves you. He wants to do it. Listen, if God didn't want to do these things for you, it's kind of like we get this idea. Something's hard and we have to struggle a little bit. And we're like, well, God just doesn't want to do this for me. (laughs) He doesn't love me like he loves sister so-and-so. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And I've tried and I've tried. And listen, those are legitimate feelings. Those are legitimate feelings and I've had them. What am I going to do about that? Well, listen, if God didn't want me to have it, he never had to tell me that it was available. He's not in the habit of lying. He's not a man. He don't lie. Lies from the devil. Ain't from God. And God didn't have to write you this book and tell you everything that was available to you. If he, he wouldn't have if he didn't mean for you to have it. Amen. Amen. Why would he bother writing this book if he didn't want you to have what's in it? So then I'm going to get that book out and I'm going to say, oh, you know what? What has love done to redeem me from this situation? Mm. And then we're going to go and we're going to look at things like Isaiah 53.5. But he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities and the chastisement for my peace. That means I'm not going to sit around and worry about this diagnosis or this a financial loss or whatever it is that's come against me it was upon him and by his stripes we are healed we are healed takes renewing our minds and you say okay Teresa that's all good and fine and that's not what happened but what about this you know what this last year somebody I love died maybe it was your husband And you find yourself alone in this world and you're scared. And you've not had to go this way for a lot of years. You've been married more years than you were ever single. And listen, I don't scoff at that. That's a hard thing. It's hard for me to imagine my life without my husband. I've been married to him for 30 years. Some of you have been married for 50, 60, 70. And you lose your husband or vice versa. You lose your wife either way. What am I going to do in a time like that? Well, I'm going to find out what love says about it. 
I'm going to find out. Yeah, love provided for that too. Did he provide for that? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Let's go to Psalm 68.5. He says, a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God. Is who? Is God in his holy habitation. You are not alone. I know it's scary. I know this world looks scary. And you miss that loved one. But God's provided for that. He said he's going to be your husband. He's going to be your defender. And listen, men, that applies to you too if you lost. Remember, in Christ there is neither male nor female. All right? And we are all the bride of Christ. And so if you've lost your wife or or, or something like that, this applies to you too. God is still your husband also. You are the bride of Christ. It's not a gender thing. And you say, well, I did, that, that's not who I lost. I didn't lose my father or I didn't lose, you know, uh, but I lost somebody else I love. Well, were they in the Lord? Because if they were, 1 Thessalonians 4.13 has something to say about that. It says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. L- listen what he said, fallen asleep. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. You have hope. You have hope. Why? Because you're going to be joined to them again. They're not gone forever. He said, you're going to be, they're asleep. But they're not gone. You don't ever die. Can I just tell you all something? You don't ever die. Not, not the real you. Your flesh does. Your spirit goes on forever. Your spirit is eternal. And by the way, let me just point this out. I might as well, because it's on my mind. That's true. Whether you know Jesus or not. So you better make sure you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because that spirit's going on. You want to make sure it's going on in the right place in heaven with the Lord. And then back on this earth when we come back here. But that's another message. (laughs) Amen. Okay, so you say, well, that, that didn't happen to me this year, Teresa. But listen, I just feel like I can never get ahead. You may be at work and there may have been a promotion and you feel like if God loved me, why didn't I get that promotion? That promotion was rightfully mine. But because Sister Duflunket is friends with the boss and they go to lunch all the time, the boss lady gave her the promotion that should have been mine. That was my promotion. Or maybe, maybe you feel God's put a call on my life and I have a ministry and I want to do it, but I, nobody ever even notices me, God. I sit in the pew and there's nobody even knows that I have a call. And, and how am I ever going to move forward? Well, what does God say about that? I'll tell you what you're going to do. Did God provide anything? Did perfect love who never fails provide you with something for that? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. We're going to look at 1 Peter 5, 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that who who will do it? He may exalt you in due time. In due time. Let's look at, let's look at uh, Psalm 75, 6 through 7. For exaltation, listen, comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts another. Let's look at Romans eight thirty one. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So what am I saying to you? 
Listen to me. It is so nice to have men compliment you, endorse you, like you, give you a good word, promote you. We all like that. And it's a good thing if you know somebody deserves that, give it to them. But you do not depend on that. People's praise, man's praise, or his criticism does not define you. Did you know that? And it's nice to have man's endorsement. But if you do not have man's endorsement, baby, God endorses you. And if God endorses you, you don't need man's endorsement. They cannot put you up and they cannot pull you down. Humble yourself under the Lord and he'll do it. Excuse me. He'll do it in the right season. I feel like that's really good news because, you know, man don't always value you and they don't always value the gifts in you and they don't always tell you. They may or they may not. But if you have God's endorsement, you don't need it. Amen. Well, what about this one? What about, Teresa, this year was so bad and people lied about me. They flat out lied. They hurt my reputation. And I'm having a hard time with this. And now I've got all this, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time forgiving them. And they just flat out lied about me. Well, let's look at Isaiah 54, 17. What does love say? Well, what is love going to say about that? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue, every tongue which rises against you in judgment. Do you hear that? You shall condemn. Go to the next one. I didn't tell you to, but can you go to the next, to 18? Oh, okay. All right. Anyway, that's good. All right. What about this one? Let's go to Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And and what's going to hurt you, church? What? Nothing. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. <clears throat> Forgive me. My throat is drying out up here. So what am I telling you? They don't, have the, they don't have the ability to stop you. I just got through telling you, God endorses you. But you're going to have to stay in love. And you're going to have to renew your mind to the perfect love that worked this out for you. Amen? You're going to have to work that out. Well, maybe that's not the thing that happened to you this last year. Maybe that's not what you struggled. Maybe you've just messed up. Maybe, you know, I was going along, Teresa, and I was doing good, and I was walking with the Lord. And then this thing happened over here. And see, instead of getting the love letter out, my imagination started thinking about the problem. And as I started thinking about the problem, it got bigger and bigger. Then I became discouraged, and I decided to just quit walking with God altogether. And now I'm worried because I'm so far away from him, and I've done so many things, and I'm worried, does he still love me? Am I still, what am I going to do, Teresa? I've messed it up so bad. I've just messed up. I've messed up all over the place, and I've sinned. And I want to know that God's love's still working for me, but... Oh, 
Did, did love provide for that? Yes, he did. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. <clears throat> now listen, the enemy don't want you to believe that, and I know this for a fact. <clears throat> when you have messed up, he will use that to no end. He will say, oh, okay, yeah, I know. You confess your sin, but that's for people who sinned accidentally, see? But you, you already knew you were sinning when you did that, see? You went and did that with full knowledge that it was wrong. And so now it's too late for you. You done gone too far. There was a, yes, he is a liar. He is a liar, Shirley. He is. He's flat out a liar. And this was a lie he used on me when I had turned, you know, uh, I grew up and I was, as a teenager, I was saved and I walked with the Lord for a while and then I, I just went wild. There's just no way around it. I just went off the rails. I went off the rails and I went bad. But then, <coughs> forgive me. I wanted to come back to the Lord. <coughs> Because everything in my life was bad. You go off the rails, it'll be fun for a little while. Remember the Bible says that sin is fun for a little while. Well, yeah, you're having fun. I was having a good time. I was doing my thing, baby. I was, it was good. I loved it. I was large and in charge, or so I thought. Mm, yeah. But then there came the day when I wanted to turn back to God. And don't you think that devil didn't beat me over the head with all I had done? And he'd say, well, how are you going to turn back now? Maybe it's too late. I mean, oh my gosh, Teresa, you've done this and you've done that and you've done the other. And what are you going to tell God? See, God knows everything, so you can't lie. I can't pretend I didn't know better. I can't just say, well, I didn't know God because he knows I do know. Now, I'm reasoning all this, and of course, God's listening to this reasoning. And I'm praying, and I'm like, oh God, I want to turn around, but I just don't know how. <clears throat> you know, I've gone so far. Excuse me, I don't know what's going on here. I've gone so far down this road. And I don't know how I'm going to come back, you know. And one day I was driving down I-4, and I'm contemplating this. I'm like, you know, I've gone so far down this road, and all my friends are sinners. And, and, you know, me and my husband, we're both saved, but we're living this sinful lifestyle. And I want to turn around, but I just, I don't even know how to do it. And I'm driving down I-4, and they're working on I-4. Oh, big surprise. And so, you know, I come to the turnoff that I'm supposed to turn on. And because I'm involved in my thinking and the road is all a mess, I go right by it. And now I'm mad because I'm like, oh, man, I missed my turn and I've only got this much gas. And I'm going to have to go all the way to Lake Mary to turn around because there's nowhere to turn around. But they were working on it. And, you know, when they're working on it, they make these little paths in the median for themselves to turn around. And I thought to myself, I had a lightning fast moment that said, well, I'm not going to drive all the way to Lake Mary. I'm just going to turn around right here in this little path that they made. Yeah, I know that's illegal, but I'm doing it anyway. Because I ain't got much gas and I can't go all the way to Lake Mary. I ain't got the gas for that. And so as I'm turning in there, the Holy Spirit, yes, he'll use even a moment like that, says to me very loud and clear, he says, exactly, Teresa, you just turn around. If you're going in the wrong direction, just turn around. It's really simple. Don't wait till you get to the end of the road. 
Just find your spot and turn around. Do it now. Turn around wherever you've got to. Because love provided for that. Amen? Love provided for that. You know, all of these experiences, all of them, do you know that they were designed to try to make you feel that you were separated from the love of God? That was the enemy's whole purpose. Yeah, it really was. Throw up Romans. Let's look at Romans 8, 35 through 39. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him. Go back. Oh, okay. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now we read that and we think, oh yeah, okay, all these things come our way. But if you look at that in the NLT, the New Living Translation, it says, none of these things means that God has stopped loving you. When these things come, see, the, the, do you remember the parable about the sower? And then Jesus is explaining the parable. And he says, he says, those who received the word, they were very happy to receive the word. But immediately after they received the word, trials and tribulations came to steal that word. Immediately. See, the devil comes along. All of these trials and all of these tribulations, they come to make you feel like, A, the word of God isn't true, <clears throat> or B, God just does not love me. Right. <clears throat> like he loves others. That's his design. That's what the enemy does it for. And so church, if we're going to move on and we're going to be powerful <clears throat> in the things of God, if we're going to renew our minds, I think the first thing we have to do is we're going to have to get so rooted and grounded in the fact that God loves me no matter what this world presents to me. No matter what trial, no matter what tribulation, no matter what hardship, it does not mean that God's love has been removed from me. Because that's what we think when we're in the midst of it and it lingers. <clears throat> we think, God must not be loving me the way he loves pastor so-and-so and sister such-and-such. And, 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 you know, because if he loved me, why is this happening? There's an enemy. And just like love took up residence in your spirit, the enemy comes along and he wants to make deposits in your soul. It's as simple as that. But you have to renew your minds. Amen? You have to renew your minds. And finally, I want to end with this. We're running out of time. I had a few more things, but I'm going to go ahead and end right here. Put up Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son. Oh, forgive me. I don't know what's going on here. But delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give us what? All All things. Why, church? He loves us. Throw Throw up the verse that I wrote for Jesus loves me, please. I want y'all to sing this with me. This is that little kid's song that we knew so well, except I rewrote it. 
to suit us adults. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. With his blood he purchased me, now I have the victory. Yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Thank you, Lord, for your love. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you, God, that you love us with love that is everlasting. And it is never failing. Father, I thank you for the people. I thank you for the chance to speak into their life. And I pray, God, that as they go forward, that this word will be speaking to them all through their week. Keep them safe and bring them back on Sunday. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to www.wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.